Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 10 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading verses 9 through 11. Revelation 11, beginning in verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Well, we're moving on in our study of the book of Revelation as a whole, and into Revelation chapter 11. Revelation 11, that has much to say, as other places in the book of Revelation do also, about our modern day, the the time of the Great Tribulation, the end of the Great Tribulation. And and here in verses 7 and 8, when the two witnesses finish their testimony and the beast kills them, overcomes them and kills them, he's victorious over them, as God has given him the victory... Their dead bodies, that Greek word potoma, that points to a carcass or a corpse without a head because Christ has departed from, from the church, leaving behind his word, but without his spirit it is like a corpse, and leaving behind his people for a time who remain in the churches, the true believers at that point, at the beginning of the judgment on the churches, the beginning of the Great Tribulation, were not in form. They they were not aware that the church age had ended. And so they also identify with the Law and the Prophets, the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, that remained in a dead church. The moment Jesus left the church, the church died. And it has remained dead. All churches in the world are dead spiritually. They have no life. It doesn't matter how many members they have. It doesn't matter how big the church building is. It doesn't matter what their mission projects are and and how many people respond to an altar call. None of that matters. None of that is, is evidence of life. Life comes through the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, as God opens the ears of the dead, and and He gives a new heart and a new spirit. And that cannot happen because the Holy Spirit has left. And therefore, um, despite the preaching, despite the sermons and, and the teaching of the elders, uh, it lacks the most important thing, and that is the power of God. 
And so no one has been saved since the two witnesses were killed and and God left the church. No one at all in any church in the world has been saved since that point. Okay, now we're going to read verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. So uh, God is is saying that the two witnesses are dead and that there are people who will see this. And he uses four nouns to describe the people. The, uh, first, they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations. Four groups that are basically all describing the same. It's talking about the people of the world. The people of the world will have a special vantage point or, or the death of the two witnesses, to put it a better way, will impact the people of the world in a significant way, in a personal way, for this three and a half day period that the two witnesses are lying dead in the street. Now let's, let's look at the four groups mentioned. People, kindred, tongues, and nations. Turn back to Revelation 7. Revelation 7. And it says in verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And a little further down in verse 14, well, verse 13, the question's asked about them, and then verse 14 gives the answer. It says in Revelation 7, 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So that pinpoints the group, this great multitude that's in view that are said to come from all nations and tribes and kindreds and people. The four groups that are mentioned in our verse in Revelation 11 and verse 9. And this we know for sure, for certain that the great multitude that God saved of the nations and kindreds and tribes and people were all saved outside of the churches. They were not saved in the church during the Great Tribulation. That's an impossibility. God, after a period of time, after a very grievous first part of the Great Tribulation, in September of 1994, began to send forth the latter rain outside of the church. And through the sending forth of his word outside of the congregations of the world, God saved a great multitude of people all over the earth. And and that's expressed by these four groups of nations, kindred, tongues, and people. Uh, they're, they're this great multitude. Tens upon tens of millions of people were saved by God during the last about 17 years of the Great Tribulation from 
September 94 through May 21, 2011. And that helps us to know that when God says in verse 9, and they are of the people, and kidrons and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves, that this is referring to people outside of the churches that will see the dead bodies of of the church itself. They'll see the spiritual corpse of the word of God in the church, of the ineffective witness of the true believers within the congregations, and and that the church is lifeless. It has not God's spirit. It has not Christ dwelling within any longer. And and so the the number four here, people, kindred, tongues, and nations, helps us to see this is a universal act that God is doing or in allowing Satan the beast to overcome the two witnesses. It's not localized. It's not just happening in America, but it's happening all over the earth, the four points of the compass. It's worldwide. Every church is affected. Every church is dead. No church is exempt. No church has gotten away from this final judgment of God. The judgment that began at the house of God is not just apostate churches. It, it is the reformed churches. It's the, the churches that give appearance of being faithful. Independent churches, house churches, any kind of church. If it is a church, it comes under the judgment of God and God's spirit is not there. And, and that's why later on when, when God, um, reveals through the opening of the scriptures that he has ended the church age, that he commands his people to come out, to depart out of the midst of the congregations, to flee to the mountains, as the mountains represent the word of God, the Bible. And the Bible is a representation of God himself. Flee to God personally and no longer have any dealings, any association with any church anywhere in the world. And this is for your own good because the churches are dead and you'll find no blessing there. As a matter of fact, it's the contrary. The church is under the curse of God. And if you remain there, well, you cannot receive the latter rain during the time when God was pouring it out. And you cannot become saved if you stay in a church. It was very serious what God did and the command to depart out of the midst. Well, now let's, let's think about something. Um, here God is indicating they of the people, kindreds, Tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. The three and a half days is a picture to typify the first part of the Great Tribulation period. It is not representing the entire time. And so the four groups here that see the dead bodies, the Potoma, of what is happening in the church, they are the people of the world during the first part 
of the Great Tribulation period. The first 2300 evening mornings, we know, from the biblical calendar of history, once it's all put together. And so this is telling us about the first part of the Great Tribulation, not the entire Great Tribulation. But is that um, really what's in view? Would God break up the Great Tribulation like that? Would he um, spend special time and emphasis letting us know about what happens during the first part rather than the whole in these verses describing the three and a half days? And the answer is yes. Yes, God has um, actually revealed in other places that his plan for the Great Tribulation period is it is a two-part process. For instance, we, we looked at this when we were studying Revelation 8. In verse 1, it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, now remember there was that that book, the Bible, that had seven seals, and when you take off the first seal, well, it's still sealed. If you take off seal number 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, it still has a seal, and it's still sealed. But once you remove the seventh, after removing the first six, now all seven are off, then it's an open book. And that happened at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period, which began the time of the end. As Daniel was told, seal up the word, O Daniel, until the time of the end. And when judgment began at the house of God, that began the end of the world. That began the final judgment, which it appears uh, it was God's plan to judge mankind, church and world, for a combined 10,000 days. And so once the seven seals were off at the very beginning of the Great Tribulation, God opened up the scriptures. And the Great Tribulation period, he refers to as being one hour in length in Revelation 17 and Revelation 18. The Great Tribulation is typified as one full hour. Now, Revelation 8, 1 says, when he had opened the seventh seal, and that would lock in the, the time as May 21, 1988, the beginning of the end, the beginning of the Great Tribulation, when, when now the Bible is an open book. There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And we've gone through this, as I mentioned, and and it's been taught previously, that silence in heaven points to no salvation, or, or virtually no salvation due to the word that God uses, the, the Greek word for silence. It allows for the slightest bit of noise, and, and therefore we say virtually no one was saved, not because there's any evidence that that anyone was saved, but due to the allowance within the word, it, it's a very good possibility no one at all was saved. But virtually, we'll, we'll stay with that word, no one was saved. We know absolutely no one was saved in the church, but outside of the church, perhaps maybe one or two or three or five people, hardly anybody 
if anyone at all, was saved for this period that the Bible says there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, why about the space of half an hour? Well, the final hour of Great Tribulation, that hour represents the entire 23-year period. It is the full hour. And yet, for the first part of that Great Tribulation, upon the opening of the seal, the opening of the Bible, at the beginning point, for 2300 evening mornings, 2300 evening mornings is six years and about four months out of 23 years. So it's not half an hour. It's not half of the 23 years. It's not half of the Great Tribulation, but about, it's a portion of that whole that God is saying virtually no one was being saved. And that is where the impact upon the people of the world comes in because God was utilizing the two witnesses within the churches and congregations for almost two millennium, for 1,955 years. That is how there was blessing. That is how salvation came and God was saving in the churches and and he could save outside the church through the hearing of his word also if he so chose and but primarily he was saving through the churches and then that witness ended and now there was no witness uh, no spirit of God working within his people within the congregations even the missions were affected. It wasn't just the church that remained back at home. But if that church sent missionaries to India or missionaries to Africa or missionaries to China or wherever they sent them, that mission field also was affected so that no one was being saved there either. And, and so the first part of the Great Tribulation, that first six years and about four months from May 21, 1988 through September 7th, 1994. That is a long period of time of, uh, for the world. And it, it is during that period the two witnesses are dead and God has not raised up any other program of evangelization. He has not yet raised up any witness of the word to go forth into the world outside of the churches. He'll never again use the churches, but it's not yet time for the pouring out of the latter rain. It's not yet time for the second jubilee. And it's amazing how 2300 days after the end of the church age, when we come to September 7th in 1994, that that is the first day of the Hebrew seventh month in a jubilee year. 1994 is a jubilee year. It's actually the 40th jubilee period since 7 BC. It's exactly 2,000 years from 7 BC. And in that uh, jubilee year, on the first day of the seventh month, a special trumpet sounds to signal the jubilee. And, and then God, uh, begins at that point and from that point on, um, to rain 
the gospel upon the nations and people and kindreds and tongues to save that great multitude and, and, and also to set the captives free as that is the significance of the Jubilee. This is the second Jubilee period, a very short little season, the end of the Great Tribulation in which God will do the saving. But there is that that period where uh, everything just appears wrong and terrible. Satan appears victorious. Look at Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, it says in in verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. Uh, Satan took uh, a death blow at the cross in 33 AD when he was um, sent into the bottomless pit that that uh, spiritual binding upon him that continued for that 1955 years of the church age, but upon his loosing when he ascends out of the pit and he kills the two witnesses. Now it's as though that deadly wound was healed. It is the work of Christ on the cross of none effect concerning Satan any longer. Well, it, it's easy to think that. Now, now look at, at the language, um, of the world, uh, following this, and all the world wondered after the beast. You know, the world has eyes. Uh, they, they can see what's happening in the world. They can see what's happening in the church. They know that the church was where the Bible was. It was the holy place, therefore. They realize that the church should be representative of God. And and they had a certain respect for ministers of the gospel throughout the period of the church age. They had a certain respect for the child of God who lived according to the word of God. If If they were drinking and a pastor was coming by, they would hide the beer or the alcohol. They would watch their language, and so forth. But now the world also recognizes somehow there has been a change. Something has happened. That church no longer uh, demands their respect. They they actually disdain the churches. They, they mock the churches and ridicule the church. Look at what the churches are doing when they hear about uh, priests or pastors and and sex abuse of children and and when they find ministers of the gospel involved in uh, adulterous affairs and and all kinds of things that begin to happen that that just didn't seem to ever happen before when churches begin to to ordain homosexuals and when churches begin to have female pastors and they never had female pastors before and just th- these are things that we may not think the world could discern or understand but they saw it they saw it and it was god's 
will that they see these things. They recognize this church is not the church of old. There is something wrong with this church. And on the other hand, look at Satan. Look at the power of the beast. Look uh, at the promiscuity. Look at all of the crime and murder and and how sin is multiplying. Look at what is happening on television. Look at um, the news reports. And it's just everywhere. Certainly it appears that Satan has one. That sin and evil and, and wicked doing are uh, victorious. And the world wondered after the beast. And verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Well, it implied in that as we had thought that Christ was the one able. Christ is the one able to overcome him. And, and yet now it doesn't appear that way. Now, as, as they see churches overcome by lies and falsehoods and deceit by Satan, it appears that that's, uh, the beast is actually uh, the winner. And then in verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And there's three out of the four groups that we have in our verse in Revelation 11. And God is just mentioning three to indicate this is his purpose. This is all according to the will of God. That he is the one that ultimately is behind the loosing of Satan. Satan could do nothing Christ has the key of the bottomless pit. Christ opened the pit. Christ is the one that brought Satan upon the churches and the world at this latter stage. And and then finally it says in verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We can see this is a worldwide phenomenon. This is not isolated. It's, it's not just here or there. It is everywhere. And that, uh, that's what the Bible says. And that is our own personal experience. We can refer to our personal experience as long as it is in agreement with the Bible. Yes, we, we look at the church and we see the, the devastation the spiritual destruction. We look at the world and we can't believe it. Anyone who was alive just a few decades ago would have to admit something just uh, terrible and awful and, and, uh, and unbelievable almost has happened to all the world. The world has gone mad in sin. It has been given over to all sorts of wickedness, the reports we hear. How can these things be and be so common? It can only be that the Bible is true. God knows the end from the beginning, 
And in Romans 1, he detailed what we read in our uh, newspaper this day. He describes in perfect detail the sins of men that have taken place over the course of the time of the end, the Great Tribulation, and now into this period of Judgment Day itself. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.